You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. All right, I'm warning you. Here comes the Dr. John T. Holler. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. I love you. We've been talking about the blood in our series on uh, foundational doctrines. It's good to go back over, back over the foundations once in a while. Check your foundation. We just bought a house. And we checked the foundation. We saw the house was there, so we knew we had a foundation. But it's a good thing to go back and check the foundation once in a while. You may have a house, but you may not have a great foundation unless you make sure you do. And in the teachings of the Bible, there are foundational teachings and there are teachings that are built on top of the foundation, so we, 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 we make sure we got the foundation right. And in the foundation of our the New Testament, there are certain things we talk about all the time that are foundational messages, important things that, that built this covenant with God. Yeah. You know, it, it was built on truth. Yeah. The covenant of the New Testament was built on the truth of God. So you can know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And God on this truth built a covenant with man. You see, when Jesus came, he came, and he didn't die in the manger, did he? Everybody knows he didn't die in the manger, right? Why not? His blood would have saved the world right then. He was the Son of God as much in the manger as he was on the cross. His blood would have taken away the sins of the whole world right there, right then and there. Because his blood didn't change from being the blood of God and the blood of man from when he was conceived in his mother's womb to when he died on the cross. So why did he stay here 33 years? Why did he have to stay 33 years? I mean, why didn't God just let Herod go out there and kill him? Herod went out there to kill him. He came to die, didn't he? He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, didn't he? Wasn't he? Why did God make sure that he stayed here 33 years? Well, he had a few things that happened. First thing is, he had some prophecies to fulfill. Amen. The Bible, the Old Covenant, was full of prophecies about Jesus. All kinds of wonderful things the Bible said that was going to happen to him. It all happened to the nth degree. Somebody... A scientist put um, all the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament and how, what, the, what the, the chances were for any one man to fulfill all those prophecies. Yeah. Yeah. It was a radical impossibility. More than, a, astronomical. A, a hundred billion to one or something like that. There's only seven, seven million people on the planet. There's only been about seven billion, about seven billion before this. For Jesus to have come 2,000 years ago and fulfill all those prophecies was amazing. He was fulfilling prophecy. 
Another thing he was doing was going around destroying the, destroying the works of the devil. He came to mess up the devil's kingdom here. Destroying the works of the, the devil was no small thing. You know that. I mean, God's people were in trouble. There were so many sick folks, and I see they're on a good diet too. Amen. Supposedly, I'm always having people tell me here and there, here and there, here different things. You know, they say you need to get on the Mediterranean diet. I said, what's that? I don't, I don't live on the Mediterranean. Exactly. Well, I say you need to you know, eat more like they did in the Bible. I said, really? Why? Because it's healthier. I said, well, the Bible said Jesus went about healing the sick, and he healed lots of sick folks. I think all those people were on that diet. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're all on that diet. They were sick as dogs. Thousands of them. They brought thousands of people who were sick to Jesus. He went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. That's right. You see, he he wanted to, he wanted to show how God was, what God was like, right. show that you that God is not God's will for anybody to be sick, or Jesus would have had to make somebody sick. That's right. For us to believe that God makes people sick, we have to see Jesus make somebody sick, but He never did. Amen. That's right. I always only did good. Amen. That God that makes people sick. That preacher would make that, that, that God up in their own mind. That's right. That's right. That God comes out of here, does not come out of heaven. For God to give you sickness, He has to have some sickness. He can't give you something He doesn't have. There are no sick folks in heaven. There are no sick folks in heaven. There's nobody in heaven that's broke. Nobody in heaven that can't, can't be happy. Nobody in heaven that's depressed. And Jesus told us to pray. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is being done in heaven. Amen. Amen. What's, what's being done in heaven? The will of God. Amen. Amen. God wants good things for you. Amen. Everything that's wrong with the planet earth is, is not God's fault. Right. Everything that's wrong with the planet is man's fault and the, and the enemy's fault, the devil's right. fault. So, uh, I just throw all that in free. But another thing Jesus was doing when he was, why he lived here 33 years, one thing he was doing that was very important, he was fulfilling prophecies, he was uh, destroying the works of the devil. A third thing was to show us how to live a spirit-filled life. Do you know that there had never been a man walk the earth like Jesus did? There had been some great men who had the Spirit on them sometimes. Great men who had had the Spirit on them sometimes. Never had anybody who had the Spirit on them all the time. Samson had the Spirit on him sometimes, but when he didn't, did he look like an idiot or what? Could not stay away from those Philistine girls. Uh, especially that one. The barber. And a man does not, does not have the spirit on him one day and does the next. It's a stark difference. You understand what I mean? Stark difference between what, he, what he's like when he has the spirit on him and when he doesn't. Yeah, David, 
David, when he, he had the spirit on him, he could kill Goliath when all the armies of Israel were afraid to kill him. Yeah. When David has the spirit on him, then what God trained him to do, he goes out and they write a, write a song about him. It goes like this, Saul has slain his thousands. But David, his tens of thousands, his myriads. Right. <laughs> that song got him in trouble, by the way. <laughs> Made Saul hate him. Jesus showed us how to live a spirit-filled life. How to live a life that was full-time, full-time supernatural. Full-time supernatural. You remember in John chapter 2, John says this was the first miracle Jesus ever, ever performed. Anybody remember what that was? What was his first miracle? Turn the water into wine. Now, they didn't need wine. They just wanted more wine. They said they were well drunk. <laughs> they said they had well drunk, but they wanted more wine. So Jesus works miracles for people who don't need them. That's right. Jesus works miracles for people who do not necessarily need miracles. He doesn't reserve miracles for those who need them because he's not moved by need. Mary's the one that said, whatever he does, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's what the servant said. Why did she tell the servant that? Because he had just said, woman, my hour is not yet come. What about to do with you? My hour is not yet come. And she like, she didn't even hear that. Until the servant said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And then she looked at him and I went, what you going to do now, big boy? Get my faith out there. What are you going to do now? I know how this works. All I had to say was, bid unto me according to thy word, O Lord. I, I gave birth to you. <laughs> Jesus knew she was in faith. He had, had to respond to her faith. So he didn't work a miracle because somebody needed it. He worked his first miracle just to keep the party going. <laughs> that's, <right. laughs> that's, what it, that's what it is. I read in chapter, that was chapter 2. Chapter 1 of John, though, something interesting happened. Nathaniel, Andrew, and uh, there's some names there. Put it up. John 1, 45, I think. Talking about the third reason why Jesus did not die in the manger. Philip found Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, read on. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. Next verse. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How do you know me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait just a minute. 
John said the first miracle was the turning of water into wine. What, what do you call this? If this is not a miracle, this must be a normal life for Christians. Jesus is showing you what a normal Christian life is like. Not miraculous, supernatural, but not miraculous. He didn't, nobody knew about this. It's kind of like, nobody could walk around like this. Nobody walked around like this, Jesus, only Jesus. But you can walk around like this because he showed you how to do it. You have the Spirit with you all the time. Yes. The Spirit in the Old Testament owned God's people. In the New Testament, the people of God own Him. Yeah. He is our gift. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Somebody gives you a gift, you own it. Right. Amen. Right. You own the Spirit now. Hallelujah. He owns you, but now you own Him. And this is a night and day, 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week deal. God wants to live in you all the time. Amen. If you're born, born again today, He does live in you all the time, full time. You may not know it, you may not even act like it, but that says you can. Yeah. Yes. Supernatural life. Not a, not a miracle life every, every day. You don't get miracles every day, but you get a supernatural experience every day. Amen. Right. You can have miracles every day. Yeah. But more, more than miracles happening, you're going to walk by faith and see supernatural experiences happening. And Jesus showed us how to do that. Yeah. We never saw that in, in, in any, anybody else but Jesus. Not even John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 11. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. I didn't plan to say any of this today, but I'm just following the Holy Ghost. Is that okay? Matthew chapter 11 and verse 1. And it came to pass when Je Jesus had made an end of commanding his disciples, he departed thence and to, to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John the Baptist had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his, his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Hear this message today. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye have heard, which you he do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me, John. Remember, these guys were cousins. He said, you tell him not to be offended in me. If he wants to be, be blessed, not to be offended. Yeah. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto them, unto the multitudes concerning John, what went you out unto, into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind. Peter and John. And what went you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, that it wear, soft, wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went you out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. Listen to what Jesus says about, says about John. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. <laughs> Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Not Isaiah, not Jeremiah, not Elijah, not Samuel, any of them. None of them are better than John. John the Baptist was the greatest of the great. 
There has not been not arisen or greater, greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. The least of the king, the guy that gets saved today in this church is greater than John the Baptist. If you get born again today, the promise of God to you is you're better than anybody in the Old Testament. You're better than anybody in the Old Testament. Why? Because the Spirit comes onto you, into you to stay. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Live 24-7 Spirit-filled. Led by God. Have supernatural access right now. That was the third reason why Jesus came and stayed 33 years. Show us how to do it. But the fourth reason was this. He was laying down the terms of the covenant. Laying down the terms of the covenant. What God will do and what you, you're supposed to do. Every covenant has terms. You know, uh, we're going to do some vows at the church right here. Any married folks in the building? There were terms to your covenant, weren't they? I promise to honor, to love, all that. She has promises she makes. He has promises she ma he makes. There are terms and covenants. The reason you make a covenant is so that you have the benefit of the terms. It's uh, like this. Covenants were originally established, were originally established to fulfill the lack of one guy with the benefits of another. The benefits of that other one, he has lack. So the guy who has lack has benefits over here can fulfill his lack. You have more money, I have a car. You need a car, I need money. You come into an agreement. It's called a covenant. See that? That's a simple way of putting it, but a man needs a wife. Wife needs a man. They come into covenant. They make promises to each other. Jesus had to make the terms of the covenant before he died. He had to tell us what he was putting into this thing before he paid for it. You see, you don't you don't just go and pay and say you can have the store. See, there are certain things God did not say you could have. God never said you could have your, your neighbor's wife. No, that's wrong. He never said you could steal from your neighbor and be okay. He never said you could rob and maim and hurt people as part of your covenant. He never said you could cuss somebody out. It's okay. But he did tell you you could do a lot of things. You can have more than you think you're worth. You can have. You can be wealthy. You can be wealthy if you want to be wealthy. I'm telling you, God does not have a problem with money. Has no problem with money. Philippians 4:19 says, "I wish you'd put that up on the board." My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Listen to this. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That means he's going to supply all you need according to what you need or according to what 
Oh, how rich is he? How rich is God? How rich is God? I mean, his driveway is worth more than this town. Every street there's gold. Every street is made of pure gold. The driveway wouldn't would pay more than this, this whole town's worth. To any one of the mansions. Think of this. He's gonna, not going to supply your need according to what you need, but according to how wealthy he is. That's what it says. And how's he going to do that? By Christ Jesus. Not, because, not by Christ Jesus running and doing something for you right now. Jesus, Jesus is not a delivery boy. Jesus sits at the right hand of God Almighty, the Father, reigning over a kingdom. So he's going to deliver this to you by what Christ already did. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. You see, what did Jesus do? He paid his life. Right. He paid his life in blood for this covenant. So gold is not near as precious as blood. Your finances are not near as precious as it's his blood. And when he laid in the terms of the covenant, wrote the check in blood, you have it all now. My God shall supply all my need according to my, his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've shared this with you, with you before. But, uh, the other day, uh, Max, I don't know if I told you this part of it. He came into our apartment one day a few, few weeks ago in, da in Dallas. He's looking through the, through the whole house, opening closet doors, looking around. I said, Max, what are you looking for? He said, I heard there was chocolate here. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't ask for any chocolate. Listen to me. But he knew if I had chocolate, he had chocolate. Amen. And if I had it, he had it. Yes. So I heard there was chocolate here. If your father has it, you have it. If your father has it, he has you have it. If your daddy has it, you have it. Yes, sir. Amen. Glory to God. Praise God. I heard there was chocolate here. He didn't have to ask for it. All he had to do is find it. <laughs> find it. Glory to God. <laughs> I found some promises myself. I found some things in this book. I found out God wanted me to have some stuff that I didn't know I was supposed to have. When I found out it was God's will to heal, that got a hold of me. Yeah. Amen. That got a hold of me. I've been walking in healing ever since. Amen. <coughs> Glory to God. Amen. I didn't say I never got attacked. Yeah, right. Anybody here been attacked? Yeah. I've been attacked. Amen. I know by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. Amen. Right. I told you this. I told you about this prosperity thing. This God providing for your needs according to His riches and glory. So to elevate your faith. Yeah. I don't tell you these kind of things to, 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 to bug you or blast you about, about not having enough. My, my sole purpose in telling you these things is to get your faith to arise, to grow. Yeah. So you can be all that you can be and all that God wants you to be. Have all that God wants you to have. I'm totally convinced. I got a question of logic for you. Do you think the Lord would rather see that $150,000 Mercedes Benz parked at the bar on Saturday night or at church on Sunday morning? Think he'd rather have it, have it at church? I think he'd rather have it at church. That tells me something really simply then. It's God's will for you to prosper. And be in health just like your soul prospers. 
even as your soul prospers. In direct correlation to it. Four reasons why to fulfill prophecy, to restore the works of the devil, view as an example of a spirit-filled life, and to lay down the terms of the covenant. That's why he was here 33 years. That's what he was doing. When he laid down his life, all that went into force. Yeah. It all went into force. Yeah, I've told you about this lately several times, but I won't drive this home. Remember, a will is not enforced until the one who wrote it dies. Yeah. Yeah. The New Testament calls it a testator. The guy who writes the will is the one that has to die before it goes into a force. And But when he dies, it goes into force. Okay? They call you down to the lawyer's office, you know. But Christianity has so messed this up. Christianity has messed this up. I don't mean, I'm not saying God messed it up, I'm saying Christianity messed it up. They, they put it all in the future, and the, the, their will reads like this. You get everything Jesus, Jesus bought and paid for you to have. When you die, who wants to be in that will? <laughs> I, got a, I got an uncle I, I talk about it quite often. He's quite wealthy. And if I heard it, I was in his will. And I went down there and they read it to me. John gets everything, everything Uncle Wayne had, except you don't get until you die, John. Ugh. I used to love Uncle Wayne. I hate him now. You know? How good is that going to do me, Uncle Wayne? No, the will is in effect right now. You're in the kingdom right now. Glory to God. I mean, you're going to be in a full manifestation when you go to heaven. But right now you have kingdom principles in you. So you can live in, in the kingdom right here, right now, as an ambassador. Second Corinthians 5. Go to Second Corinthians 5. I want to read a few verses here, starting with verse 17. Second Corinthians 5. This is not any of this in my notes today. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everything came new for me. I mean, everything became new. I remember the day I got up after I got saved as a kid. I woke up and, uh, and the next morning and the world looked, seemed like it had been whitewashed. Everything was clean. I couldn't think of one person I, did, I didn't like. I couldn't think of one mean thing. And so, so God so purified my heart. I loved everybody. Amen. I couldn't think of anybody I didn't like. I even loved my brother that day. <laughs> my older brother, six years older than me, picked on me all, all the time. I still loved him. My heart just changed. It'll change your whole heart. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody, anybody in here experienced this? Change your heart. That changes your life. You don't have to change your life. Let God change your heart through the new birth. Yeah. Get the Spirit in you, and you become a whole new, different person. You start thinking different. Just think different. Amen. And it's not because you repent. It's because you believe. And repentance comes. Yeah. Repentance means is a Greek word mean, meaning to change the way you think. Metanoia. Every time in the New Testament the word repent or repentance is nothing but metanoia. Every time, metanoia. It means to change how you think, change your mind. It does not mean to weep. It does not mean to mourn. That's what my, my people made it out of. Repentance. You say the word repentance, what do you see? 
You sit somebody on the floor begging them, begging for God to forgive them, don't you? That's not what repentance is. Repentance is simply changing your mind. Metanoia. It's therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Oh, things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Look at verse 18. I like this one. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus, by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us a ministry of reconciliation. Has given unto us a ministry of reconciliation. Ministry, we, every, everybody has a ministry of reconciliation. Every Christian has a ministry of reconciliation, not the ministry of death. Yeah. I'm telling people how sinful they are. I was trained to do that. I was trained in, in college to tell people about, about the law, about how sinful they've been. You broke the law of God. Makes you a sinner. Pardon me. I didn't, I didn't become a sinner because I broke the law of God. I became a sinner because I was born. You too. Everybody. Adam could not produce anything but a sinner. He was the sinner. Eve didn't do that. You think Eve did. Men blame Eve for sin and sinful condition. No, it was not, it was not Eve. She did sin first. But you don't get sin from your mama. No, no more than a tree gets its, its, its identification from the soil. A tree gets its identification from the seed. And your daddy planted the seed. You were born a sinner because of your daddy. That goes all the way back to Adam. Yeah. Adam could do, do nothing but, give, but fill the world full of sinners. So I read Romans 5, 6, and 7 last night. That's what it says. By one man, all the world became sinners. In the same way, by one man, all the world becomes righteous. Right. Glory to God. Not by how you did, yeah. but how did he did. Not about how you performed, but how Jesus, Jesus performed. Yeah. Jesus had the Holy Seed in him. He was the Holy Seed. When he died, God gave him a harvest on that seed, a harvest of sons that looked just like him. To God, the church looks just like Christ. That's amazing to me. Well, you see the church up close and personal. And you don't, look like, you don't look like Jesus to me every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just in our, in our natural, in my eyes, you don't look natural. But God sees you looking like Jesus. In verse Miss Anne read that He is perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Those who are sanctified are perfected forever. By one offering. By one offering. What Jesus did already. You know how to make offerings every day to be sanctified, to be made righteous, made holy. You were made holy by one offering, the offering of Christ 2,000 years ago. Put a verse 19 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says, That is to say to it that God was in Christ. God was in Christ. God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. Wow. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. All this fulfilling prophecy, all this laying down in the terms of the covenant, all this example of what a spiritual life is like, all this beating up on the devil, was all for one purpose, to reconcile us to God. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So God could say, I'm no longer angry with you. Yeah. 
God loved Adam. Amen. God loved Adam. He loved mankind. He still does. He still does. He loves the hateful person that hates you. Those hateful people on your job, he loves them. God is in love with mankind. And he wanted to finish that. He wanted to get over that. He saved us for himself. As much as he did for us. Here's in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Not impeding their trespasses unto them. What? Not impeding their trespasses unto them. What? Not impeding their trespasses unto them. He no longer, after Christ died, he no longer counted men sins against them. He said men no longer sin. No, he didn't say that. He said to stop counting it against them. Amen. The day Jesus died, he counted your sins against him. He put, that's a remarkable thing to me. God put everything, every evil thing I ever did on the to Jesus. You see, the reason men still live like they do, still live demonically, is because they don't know this. They don't know this. We have been given a ministry of reconciliation, but men don't know this. For the most part, nobody Durant knows this, just a few. They don't know that God's not angry at them. I talked to a guy not many, not many weeks ago, not, not here, but between here and Dallas. He said, no, I don't go to church. I walked into the church. Roof would fall in. Roof would fall in. Uh, he thinks he's so evil. No, the roof's not going to fall in. The roof isn't going to fall in because God's not, not, not all that moved by your sin. He's not all that moved by it. He was moved by one who paid the price for your sin. That is to say, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. What words have he committed unto us? This word right here. You need to go tell your friends today. Tell your family today. God's not angry with you. He loves you. That's what Christ did at the cross. That's what he was doing. The message should not sound like, oh, poor Jesus had to die for your sin, you rotten sinner. That's how it comes out. That's how sinners hear it. That's how the world hears it. They hear us say, oh, look what you made poor Jesus have to do. Oh, you're sinful, sinful, sinfulness. Sinner, 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 sinner. You're sinner, sinfulness. You caused Jesus to have to die like this. How many of you heard it like that? I heard it like that my whole life. I was to blame for his sin. What? Why? For his having to die. That's not how God puts it. It may be, it may be some fact in that, but that's not how God said it. It wasn't God that was aimed at sin. He was aimed at us. He wasn't aimed at sin. He was aimed at you. He wanted you back. He wasn't trying to fix sin. He was trying to fix you. He wasn't angry at sin. He was angry at the devil. He wanted you back. Glory to God. God was in Christ reconciling the world. Not impeding their trespasses. Not impeding their trespasses unto them. That's an interesting thing. Not impeding their trespasses unto them means he found a way, he found a way to be just 
and the justifier of him who believes in Jesus. By calling Jesus guilty. I don't know how he did that. I don't know how God became the priest of the universe and laid his hands on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and almost killed him with our sins. He was dying in that garden, you know. He was dying in the garden. He was dying. He said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to the point of death, he said. Amen. Jesus didn't talk like we did. He never said anything like, it almost tickled me to death. You know, scared me to death. He didn't talk like that. When Jesus said he was dying, he was dying. He was dying in the garden. You hear me? Because God had reckoned the sins of the world on him as the priest did the, the, the sacrifice in the temple. Had to reckon him sin and kill the sacrifice. It had to happen sometime before Jesus was judged under the Sanhedrin court. Had to happen sometime before he was slain. It had to happen in that garden. He was being crushed, crushed with broken heartedness, and began to sweat blood. And sweat blood. Sweat blood. Hematidrosis is a condition that can be very serious. There have been people die from it. You get sweating blood. You're in trouble. That's why Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me. You may have never heard this before. I'm going to tell you the truth. He was not trying to get away from being crucified. He was not asking God not to make him go to the cross. He was asking God to let him get there. He knew he was dying there in the garden. He knew his mission was not fulfilled in the garden. He had to get to that cross. There were too many prophecies that were still not fulfilled yet. He had to get to that cross and say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he did. He made it. You know why he didn't make it? Because when he prayed that way, the Bible says angels came and ministered to him. In the garden, angels came and strengthened him. He was able to go through the night with very little blood in his body. Maybe very little blood. Had some blood because we saw a lot of blood in the, in the, in the whipping post. He had a terrible night. It got worse. It's got worse and worse. And all the time, all he's trying to do is help us. The very people who are beating him, all he can think about is how much he loves them. What kind of God is this? What kind of man is this? That loves those who despise him. Gives to those who steal from him and abuse him. What kind of God is this? He's not the God of the preachers, I tell you. He's not the God of the preachers. The preachers don't want, want, want to talk about this God. This is a God that makes people love him. He's not looking to make you afraid of him. He's, making, he's looking to make you love him. If you can know God like the God of the Bible... Know that he has all good things in mind for you. 
It was not God's will for a man to ever go to heaven. You know that? You know this? He didn't, he didn't construct hell for men. The Bible says, hell has enlarged its borders, right? Why? Because it was not made for men to go there. Had to have an expansion program to handle all the men who were going to hell. Because God never had it, God never had it in, in his plan at all. Never had it in his plan at all for men to go to hell. Ah, amen. So the four reasons that Jesus died, Jesus uh, lived 33 years before he died. Makes sense to you now. He could have died in that manger. It would have taken away the sins of the world, but we would have missed so much. Missed so many promises. We would have missed John 15, 7 and 8. Put that up there. John 15, 7 and 8 says, If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will. What who will? What you will. What you want. You ask what you will. Say what, say what I will. You shall ask what you will, Jesus said, and it shall be done unto you. Herein, wherein, in there, what he just said. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. What? Bearing fruit that glorifies God. Listen to me. Bearing fruit that glorifies God is a seed of the Word dwelling in you and you producing miracles and answers to prayer. You getting what you want. Amen. Hear me. You getting your prayers answered is how God gets glorified. That's good news right there. God does, not, God does not only get glorified when you sacrifice. He does, but that's not the only time. He gets glorified when you get what you want. Yeah. Amen. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. He said that right after, if, you bear, if my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, what you will. You know what? I've known many Christians throughout my life. I found this to be true in their life. Christians who don't get the prayers answered don't give God glory. Christians who get the prayers answered always glorifying God. Always talking about Jesus. Always. Somebody will say, oh, I like your car. Well, God gave it to me. I love your house. God gave it to me. How'd you quit drinking? Glory to God. Amen. God did it. Amen. This is how God gets glory. When you get what you want. When you get what you want. Jesus did not come just to make disciples. He came to get a family. He came to make us sons. You may have heard me say this before. We may not have, but I'm going to say it today. Paul never used the word disciple to describe believers one time. Not one time. The word disciple is no place in the book of Romans. It's no place in the book of Corinthians. Either, either the Corinthian letters. It's not in Ephesians, not in Galatians, not in Colossians, not in First, first Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, First Second Thessalonians, not in Philemon, not in what else? <laughs> I left one out. Colossians, Philippians, not in Philippians. Paul never used the word <laughs> disciple anywhere to describe you and me. He calls us believers. 
and sons and daughters, children of the Most High God. Children of the Most High God. I've said this before. Remember, Paul was a son and Judas was a disciple. Disciples, not a bad thing, but it can be. Discipleship is not the apex of Christianity. You've heard that it is. That's one thing if you be saved. Until you're a disciple, you're not really in with God. You're not following God. Oh, get out of here. (laughs) I'm born again, glory to God. Listen, Jesus said, He that is in the kingdom is greater than anybody in the old covenant. And Peter, James, and John were not born again. They were not born again. They were disciples. Yeah, they were following me. But when the Spirit comes into your life, you have more than anybody you ever read about in the Bible. Except for those who are on this side of the cross and the, and the, and the resurrection and the Pentecost. Because those people are just like you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Wow. Wow. Think of it. All that is promised in the Bible is yours. I want to challenge you today. There's something you need from God that you don't have yet. Something you, you prayed for, you've asked God for. Something that is necessary for you to take the next step in your life. Something you need. If that something is salvation. If you're not saved today, get saved today. Amen. Come born again today. Come into this family of God today. Yes. But after that, it may be the baptism in the Spirit. Maybe a commitment to walk with God in your giving. Maybe a commitment to become a better witness, to talk to people about Jesus. Maybe a commitment to just be in church every, every time the doors are open. Maybe a commitment to be in church every time the doors are open. Amen. Maybe a commitment to be in church every time the doors are open. Amen. I don't know what, what, what God's calling you to do. Maybe a commitment to read your Bible every day. Amen. And pray every day. Yeah. See what I mean? Five success, five steps to, to a successful Christian life. Successful Christian life has five things in it. The successful Christian life has these five things. The Word every day. Prayer every day. The Word first because faith does not come from praying. Faith comes from hearing the Word. So if you pray in prayers and not have faith in them, how good are they? They're not good at all. They don't work. Get your faith working first by getting the Word in you and pray. Word every day, prayer every day, witnessing, fellowship in church, and then tithes and offerings, giving of your money. The reason you must include your money, they always did in the Bible, is because the money is a representation of the life you, you turn into that money. God wants all of you and when you, when you have money, it means you turn your life into that money. Turn your time into that money. And when you give it, God says that not to give it money, but give it your life. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You're giving your life when you're giving your money. Amen. The Lord may be calling you today to make a commitment. He may just be calling you to Believe him for something big for you. Some some help. Some miracle. 
take place, something supernatural. Whatever it is you want, let me tell you, He wants you to have it more than you want it. That'll elevate your faith right there. God wants you to have it more than you want to have it because He's your Father. And He paid a terrible price so you could have everything you need from Him. Let's pray together.